This broadcast is brought to you by Integrity Staffing Solutions. At Integrity, we're passionate about connecting great talent with great companies across North America. For more information on how our custom, flexible workforce solutions can help solve your biggest challenges, visit us online at integritystaffing.com. We're now listening to HR Liftoff in three, Hi, this is Megan Couch. Welcome to HR Liftoff. Thank you for tuning in. We're coming back to tune in. I am very excited to have Mike Seidel. So he's the co-founder and chief technology officer at work here. Uh, And Mike, I'm very excited about this conversation because you have awesome statistics. And can you just tell people what work here is and just a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you very much for having me, Megan. Um, I'm the co-founder here at work here. We're a a recruitment uh, technology company. We, we build software that helps people engage with uh, candidates. So what we have is a chat system that can plug into major job boards, uh, your applicant tracking system, your career site, and lets you engage with candidates within seconds with a live human every time. So if somebody applies on Indeed, they get to talk to a live human in just a matter of seconds. That can be your recruiters or it could be our chat team, either one. And the reason we created this service was because we used to have this uh, geofence job app that uh, we, we would go out and, and kind of do this Yelp for jobs thing and, and target people by location. And it worked pretty good. But when COVID hit, we lost about 85% of our revenue because it was extra. It wasn't necessary. And the part of our business that survived COVID was this chat piece. And so over the last year, we, we brought a whole new system to market and um, have been helping companies transform from where the recruiting process might take 18 days between when somebody applies and when they actually get to talk to a human being to a matter of 18 seconds. So that's what we do. So can you explain to folks you know, how time to hire has changed and especially very relevant to what you just said in COVID and recent months? Because uh, what we've noticed is the need for immediacy. It's almost like there's a, a you know, you want to order food, you get it immediately. It doesn't matter from where. You want to order from Amazon, you get it almost immediately. And I feel like that's translated very much into jobs. It has. People expect uh, immediate feedback. They expect an immediate response. We, we live in an age where I can get my phone out and have a drone drop off a product in a matter of four hours, five hours. So why would we expect different uh, with jobs? Why, why should that be different? People don't see it uh, as being different. What we learned, um, and this goes back two years, uh, when we started doing chat response to people that were engaging with our mobile job app, what we found were that uh, a staggering number of the candidates were being missed by the employers because they were waiting two, three weeks to engage. I think the average time between when somebody applies for a job on a major job board and when they actually get to talk to a human at an employer is something like 45 days. It's really bad. When we bring on a new customer for our service, a lot of times what we see is uh, a process where they do a lot of screening, they collect a lot of applications, they might put a job, post a job, and for three weeks just pull candidates into a, a big stack of resumes or maybe a virtual stack of resumes. Then they go through a process of weeding that out to the 10 people they wanna call. They start calling them all and they get a mix of two things. They can't get a hold of people because they screen them 
out when they call. Uh, and then the, my favorite is they get a hold of people who already have a job somewhere else. Correct. So, and the, the timing, you know, and do you think it differs between, I would say, generations? Because my next question is going to be the chat. So, because folks are thinking, oh, is that a chat bot? You know, or is that what's the importance of a human interaction? Or is it a combination of both? And kind of what demographic prefers what? You know, so I, just a couple of questions there because I, I went roundabout. But do you think it differs generationally with how people want to communicate? Um, and two, is there a preference that you see or between chatbots or human interaction? Okay. Let's start with the second question, the chatbot <laughs> question, because this one was a lot of fun for us. When we started doing chat, the first thing we did, being a bunch of engineers, is looked at the problem and go, you know what? AI is really trendy. It's really hot. Let's make a chatbot. And so we <laughs> did. Um, we spent about a half a million dollars building out a chatbot. And, and by all standards, it was pretty awesome. I mean, it, it, uh, it could have really fun little conversations with you and, and all of that. But it was tone deaf. And one day we decided to put a team of three interns up against our chatbot to see who could move the most candidates from uh, a job board apply to an interview. And the, uh, believe it or not, the interns won by a factor of three. So they delivered three times more candidates to the recruiters than the bots did. And as we looked at why, it was because the chatbots were very much tone deaf and people really were not enjoying that experience. We had a case where one uh, candidate came to us and uh, actually said this, my mom has cancer, I really need a job, can you help me? And you'll never guess what the chatbot said. I don't want to. What did it say? <laughs> it said, all right, woohoo, let's go. What is your name? I see. Okay. And then it kept saying, what is your name to anything that person would say? So we decided, you know, maybe the interns were onto something. Maybe we should let people talk to the people for a while. Uh, these, these, uh, the AIs just aren't quite smart enough for that. Um, what we did learn, though, is chatbots do a really good job when you get into more of screening questions and more of a, you know, it's a yes or no answer, or it's the same question being asked to everybody the same way every time. Bots do that wonderfully. But when it comes to having a conversation like you and I are having, Megan, they're not there yet. Yeah, and I think, and that kind of was what made me think, does it differ generationally? You know, and I will say from my personal experience, depending on what resources people have access to or what type of phone, or if they're doing it from a PC or laptop or their own home or a library, you know, and predominantly right now we know it's phone. You know, so do, but some folks just aren't comfortable and they want to talk to a human being to make sure that it's confirmed that that's it, you know. Um, but then I think about, you know, Gen Z and I'm thinking like, they that's text all the way. You know, and I have, even my 14 year old son will text me from upstairs. Not that I'm saying that that's okay, but it, I get an immediate response if I text, even though I know he's sitting up there, you know, so that's why the question about demographics. I have a couple teenagers at home too, and I get I get those texts when I'm sitting in the next room from them, um, Dad. <laughs> but you're right, Gen Z, Gen Z has a little different expectation than Gen Xers do. Um, but what we've learned is that they all really appreciate chat because it is immediate. And the other thing they love about it, uh, it doesn't matter young or old, what they seem to really like is the fact that they can respond when they want to, not right now immediately. And 
So a lot of times when somebody is searching for a job, they're doing so while they're on break. Um, we do a lot of work where we're recruiting CDL drivers. And when we're working on, with drivers, the problem is they get out of the cab, maybe for 40 minutes, um, they get in the cab and then they can't chat, they can't text, they have to just drive or talk. So um, your mileage varies based on the job title and on what works the best. But at the end of the day, I, I think chat has been appreciated everywhere that we've we've taken it. Um, surprisingly, even older even older generations like it. We do some recruiting work with uh, home health companies that re are recruiting um, people that are, are seniors or almost seniors to care for other seniors. And um, we're finding that the text messaging works really well with that demographic. And they seem to really like it because at least they're getting a response from a human and they're not filling in this big application and then hearing nothing, which is really the alternative. Sure. So it leads me to target audiences. Have you seen better results in some targeted audiences? You know, and I'm thinking, you know, government or student organizations or kind of those pieces, you know, have you seen varied results, I guess would be the question. When we started doing chat, we uh, were focused mostly on blue collar on, on, you know, think warehouse, manufacturing, um, truck drivers, that kind of thing. And, we uh, found that SMS and texting was just wildly successful there. And over the last years, we brought a new product to market. We've had companies come to us and go, could you recruit software engineers? Could you recruit um, DevOps people? Could you recruit sales managers? Could you recruit marketing people for us? Uh, we even recruited podcast producers once. <laughs> um, <laughs> Speaking of, yeah. yeah um, and, and the uh, thing that was really interesting about it was as we went into these different markets, there were all markets where you wouldn't think that texting would be appreciated by the person we were recruiting. Um, my favorite was we did SAP certified account auditors at the Pentagon. Um, as an example. And, and we thought that, Hey, this text messaging might be intrusive. We would tell customers, you know, maybe this isn't a good fit. We know it works great for recruiting the next great forklift driver, but you know, we're not sure about account auditors. And what happened as we started doing these projects is um, it turns out nobody talks to candidates. Um, they, they don't actually talk to them. They process them like chicken or something where they get a resume and spend three weeks processing the resumes. And then, um, you know, back to that pattern of let's start reaching out to everybody and half the good ones are hired already. And then the other half you can't get a hold of because you're calling them on the phone and they don't know who you are. So they're not going to answer. Um, well, so, so I, I think for that, it, 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 like by what you're saying, and even it's kind of without borders now, so there's no boundaries. Right. And I think that I hate to say an unintended consequence of COVID has made a lot of demographics more comfortable with even the usage, you know, that's my general assumption. Where folks that might not have ordered off the internet before, you know what I mean? Or I can say, even my mother, you know, is like, I'm not gonna put a credit card online, that's ridiculous, which I totally actually respect, but <laughs> I'm thinking, all right, but but now, yes, you can get toilet paper in a day and you can do this. So like, there's some instant forms of gratification being realized. And is, is there a point that you've noticed where it's like, oh, if we don't get to them by X time, you know, oh, we're wow. not gonna this is it. this is where it gets really fun. We spent a lot of time learning yeah. about about <laughs> yes. the about how people respond. Um, so when someone applies for a job, 
one of the first things that happens um, about 10 minutes after they apply for the job is they start forgetting they actually applied for a job. <laughs> so, um, I shouldn't laugh, but I understand I mean, it, what you're saying. <laughs> it, what is it, a seven second attention span, right? So, um, so what we've learned, uh, we did a lot of research into this a, a year ago, and we found that uh, at about 81 seconds, we actually start to see a measurable drop in the number of candidates that will complete uh, a application to interview cycle. So um, it's that quick. Uh, if you can get back to every candidate that applies within 81 seconds, you will optimize uh, the dropout in your funnel at the very top of the funnel. Um, you, have, you don't even have a minute and a half. <laughs> you're 81 seconds. <laughs> yeah, like you're, you're not even up to 90 seconds. <laughs> you are at a long stoplight, essentially. Yeah, and, it, it's, and that's great. Wow. It, it's pretty remarkable, but the faster you get back to people, the more likely you are to engage with them. And this is where um, what we're learning is um, let's pick on Indeed because everybody uses them. Um, they, they do supply some pretty high quality candidates uh, compared to other job boards. And what we see with Indeed is if you get back to people within two minutes, 73% of those candidates will engage and talk with you. If you wait longer than that, that number starts to go down. And we, we see uh, about two hours, we see that number go from 73% all the way down to 65%. So the faster you go, the more likely you are to engage with a candidate. And that's really important because the best candidates, the ones you really want to hire, are the ones that get hired by somebody else the fastest. So it, gone are the days, it sounds like, of pool building. And I think a lot of folks that are listening understand, you know, what that means. But what you mentioned before, where it's like you might just accumulate resumes, accumulate candidates and think, I've got a thousand people that have applied to this position, so I'm good. But if you're two to three weeks later, if you're past 81 seconds, essentially, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, your drop is so low. So do you think for organizations, a good advisement would be to kind of front load their staff to say, like, make sure, you know what I mean? Like paying attention or use work here to make sure that they're engaged. <laughs> well, know, I, I like the second option a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, use, use our well, team if your team can't. But at the end of the day. The, the answer is that we need to really think about the process we use to engage with candidates and, and realize it is different than what we were doing two years ago. Or if we go back, dare, dare I say, four years ago when unemployment was at 8%. Um, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't yeah, even. That's, but, that seems like a different time. <laughs> completely. Yeah. And back then we were saying, candidate, you know, it was hard to find talent at, at 8%. And now we're down to four. And, and with this COVID thing, it's really really strange when the recovery hits it's it's um all i can say is um you know i think think we're going to see the the companies that go can go the fastest are going to have the best outcomes when it comes to hiring so um yeah we've got to all get faster and staff our and really look at our recruiting teams and make sure that they're equipped to go fast and and that speed starts right when someone applies for a job well, and I think, of course, using a platform like yours would absolutely, if people looked at their, what the cost would be to kind of staff, of course, which is going to be probably over and above, and how to do it well, and how to actually, you know, even include training. And that's a lot for an internal organization. And on top of that, I think what you're saying, like, so Q4 unemployment 2021 is forecast at the last I read 4.1%. So, you know, we're getting down to 
close to six, about 6% 6 now. Uh, and we have a lot of folks that we know, and I would say clients too, where it's like, what is, what's going on with the market? You know, which there's some undetermined factors. Is there going to be another stimulus? What has the stimulus done to the current market? Uh, and a lot of the times I think kind of referencing what you said earlier, it was, here's different ways to engage different types of jobs where now we're seeing, okay, like there's a consistent way to engage regardless of the type of position. And that could be administrative, blue collar, you know, technical, IT. Uh, I think just folks want an answer and they want it quickly because there's so many undetermined variables that they're probably experiencing right now. Thanks for tuning in to HR Liftoff. I can't believe we're already at 20 episodes. Time really flies when you're editing and looking up Snapple facts. Thanks for tuning in. Now back to the show. Uh, and I think that it's so relevant when you say 81 seconds. And I shouldn't be surprised, even though I still am a little floored with 81 seconds. Uh, but I also have noticed my own behavior and my sons and friends where it's, oh, you're doing this and you're chatting. And then you're like, oh, OK, well, I'm going to go and prepare this dinner for a second. And then, oh, wait a second. Like, you know, I forgot that I got to return this package. I'll make sure that that's by the front door. So there's just a lot of different things that are occurring, which has changed everyone's behavior pattern. And especially with if it's remote work or folks at home and are not working, you know, it's like, okay, well, then I'm going to do this now. Oh, well, they're not going to respond back. Okay. And you're right. Forget. That's it. <laughs> you know, like, so, okay. You know, uh, another interesting aspect of this is that People also really appreciate immediate feedback during the hiring process. So as you're, you know, engaging right away, that's great. Um, these candidates, they come and they have questions. Can I get Thursdays off? They have questions about benefits. They have questions about, you know, when can I start? What shifts are available? They want to get those answered before they go through, um, you know, the whole exhaustive six-page application process. Mm -hmm. And they want, want to get those answers. So you kind of have to sell people on, on the job. And I think that's something a lot of companies leave out in their, their recruiting strategy where they present them with the, uh, the, you know, 78 field application on their, their career website. Um, so there's a lot of places we can do better, but it, it just really comes down to speed and immediacy. And if, if we are also immediate with feedback, um, for instance, this job does actually require a CDL to be a, uh, you know, if you want to be a truck driver, you have to have a CDL and you need to get one. Um, when you're able to tell somebody that right away, they actually really appreciate it. And we, we found something really, really strange and counterintuitive. And used to be when we were just operating kind of like Yelp for jobs with our mobile job app, we would get customer SAT scores that were very much tied to the outcome of their hiring process. So if they mm -hmm. didn't get the job, they'd be mad at us. Yes, um, totally understand. One of the interesting things as we got into doing more chat engagement is that we would have a conversation with a candidate and maybe they would disqualify themselves during the screening part of the conversation. Um, maybe they didn't have that CDL that they needed to have to be a truck driver. We would tell them, uh, we're not going to be able to take the next step. You don't have your CDL license. The job requires it. And people would be, oh, okay, thank you. And then our system automatically asks them, you know, how was your experience? And we were getting, um, out of a scale of uh, zero through five, we were getting fives from people that we were rejecting. And what is interesting about that is that people appreciated knowing where they stood instead of 
three months of silence and a vaguely worded letter that says, we're not going to hire you because of reasons. Well, and I think that brings up a very relevant point where it's, it's almost like repositioning the application questions a little bit or like what they would find out after the fact. And some folks I would all air quote and say, you know, pre-screening or criteria, but you're right. Like if, if you don't want to tell people what the shift is within the first, I would say, you know, conversation, <laughs> I mean, then eh, we probably should look at that because if somebody is like 50% of people can't work a night shift, you know what I mean? So automatically, if that's not what we're talking about, okay. You know, and that saves them so much time or if there's a specific criteria based or if, if there's background check requirements or, you know, even though there's state applicable laws and make sure of course everybody adheres to that, but, um, or for every time you, somebody asked you like, does this require a drug test? You know, like those questions, yes, front load, I would think. And the satisfaction wise, cause I mean, I even think for what we've done from prior years, like when you make folks go through an entire app, unless it's, you know, of course of by state laws or, or federal, it's, it's almost like, okay, why, you know, what do, what do you, like, it's, it's their time specifically, you know, that you're trying to save and not just, not just your recruiters time, but um, considering how quickly even people are to paying attention to what the job is, I can't imagine how upset they would be <laughs> if we made them go through all those pieces without being like, oh, I can't work a Monday through Thursday night shift, you know, towards the beginning. Um, I wanted to ask you passive versus active job seekers, you know, and kind of, and I know like the roots of where you explain kind of where you started. And I think there are 95% of the people that are listening are like, yes, I understand what a passive job seeker is and what an active job seeker is, or I think, think they do much like me. Uh, but I think that's changed a little bit, even during, you know, COVID times, especially with furloughs and with different pieces. Do you have data, you know, or kind of where you started with where it's like, all right, we need to target passive job seekers. And then how do we do, what's the best practice there? You know, and then so in versus active job seekers, which, you know, we now all know that you have to get within 81 seconds anyway. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, the actives, uh, the, the beautiful thing about active job seekers is they're looking for a job. They know it, you know it, and you can go very fast with them and they will say yes and start the job very quickly. So, so actives are great. Passive job seekers. Um, I think you're right. COVID really has changed what, what that looks like a little bit. There's a new kind of passive job seeker, which is kind of the, I'm surviving off a stimulus check and, um, yeah. you know, some side stuff I'm doing here and there. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing a little Uber here and there or something just to, to make ends right. meet. Some on-demand work. Yeah, but I'm doing okay and I don't really need a job. So, you know, I'm, I'm all ears if it's a good opportunity. Um, there, there's a new kind of passive candidate, I think, that's out there. What we see in our, our chat, we, we do two, you know, if you look at our, our chat system, there are two kind of standard plays. One is hook up to the job ads and handle all the active candidates to come out of that. And then the other thing we do an awful lot of for our customers are blast campaigns where, um, maybe we take all the people that applied over the last two years for a position and reach out to all of them at once with a real simple question. Last year, you applied for a home health aid. Are you still interested in that position? Because we have one open in your area. Mm -hmm. And what we do then is have a conversation with everybody that says, yeah, I'm interested. Um, 
And the first thing that is really striking is that your engagement rate with active job seekers will be in the high 50% range to the high 70% range if you're responding quickly via, via chat. If uh, we're doing a, a blast campaign where we're reaching out to passive job seekers, the response rates go down to high 20% response rate. So that's still really, really high compared to mm -hmm. sending emails. Um, and that's, that's something I think that people don't really understand just how bad response rates on emails are versus, versus text messages. Um, but totally agree. Yes. Yeah, it, it's like night and day. I mean, I mean, uh, I think the last stats I looked at on, on text messaging, 80 was 81% of people will read a text message within three minutes of receiving it. And last I looked at email, a, a great open rate for an email after 24 hours was 20%. I hadn't heard that low of a rate, but I can I would agree with that. Considering email is now considered a little bit of like the corded phone, you know, what I mean? yeah. versus a cell phone. It's like, eh, all right. And there's and filters. And if it goes to spam or depending on the frequency of the number of times that you, you know, and I, I'm guilty of it myself where I'm like, I'm sure I subscribed to this at one point, but why am I still getting this all the time, you know, consistently? Um, not even talking about retargeting, just like, but... I won't unsubscribe. I will tell yeah. you that. Like, I'm like, well, I don't fear of missing out. Like, what if something else happens that I want to know about? But there's no response. One really interesting thing, you know, you asked about age earlier, and there is one area where I know age is just, uh, we, it's really striking, and that is email open rates. If you look at people that are under 25, Which they don't read emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't. Like yeah. <laughs> Under 25. No, you, well, that makes total sense. I would, I'm trying to think of the last time that I actually sent somebody under 25 an email that I didn't work with, that they probably opened and I expected them to, of course, you know, and I'm all 44 years old. So I'm thinking like, well, I sent them an email. Why haven't they responded in 24 hours? Like, isn't that business rules? What should happen? But if, the, the folks that I have, the very limited group, I think I had to say something to the effect of like, I sent you an email and they're like, oh, hold on. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'll check my email. Sure. Like, it's just not a common communication theme. I would say outside of maybe educational practices for under 25 uh, right now, you know, so, but I, I don't see it making a huge comeback <laughs> like unless there's some like, you know, I don't know, revelation for email. I think it's very clear that the immediacy of texting and phones I oh, mean, yeah. that's just, just kind of the, yeah, duh. I can't, like, I can't tell you the number of times at work here when I'm communicating with some of our, our younger team members, and that's almost everybody else in the company. Um, when I, when I uh, have to tell them, to, uh, I have to log in and basically send them a Slack message saying, check your email. Yes. Yes. That's it. I mean, it's, just, yes. it's just a reminder to me. It's like, oh, I just should have skipped the email and just put it in Slack or something. But the, it, it, it does affect you in recruiting too. And if you're using, if you're using uh, particularly SMS, at least in the United States, um, we, we really see a, a really, really uh, much higher read rate for the message. And for a lot of recruiters, you know, if you're used to calling people on the phone or sending emails and not getting a response, you got to try texting people. You'll, you'll be amazed what happens because they'll actually get your message. Uh, well, and I would be remiss because I have a couple more questions, but I watched a talk that you did and it was about geofencing and you were talking about commute times, uh, yes. which 
very openly I'm a little obsessed with, and I think sometimes we think it's common knowledge or information, but can you talk a little bit about, and I would say geofencing, and I know you have transitioned in additional offerings, but also kind of like what brought you there? Because you were like, oh, the retention rate on, you know, if somebody lives within two and a half miles. And I literally was like, listen to Mike. Like, this yeah, is amazing so to hear. <laughs> I, that's a subject that's still near and dear to my heart. When we started work here, I mean, it's even in our name, work here. We, we really were focused on this um, geographic problem, which is, is how far... Uh, well, the thing that we were seeing in employment was we've optimized for all kinds of different things, but nobody had really taken the time to optimize for commute time. And that was really the single biggest expense and impediment to working for a lot of, a lot of the workforce. And so what we found um, is that if you hire somebody that lives within two and a half miles of, of work, they are much, much likely to uh, much more likely to stay on the job uh, for a longer period of time. We had one company that was a customer of ours, had 81 locations, so 81 different stores all over the state of Indiana. And uh, they found that um, 80% of their workforce that had been with them over five years lived within two and a half miles of their workplace. Yeah. So yeah. And I, yeah, I think that would be common sense, but then folks are like, we don't even have enough population around us in two and a half miles. Like, what should we do? Like, can you extrapolate that to five miles to 10 miles? You know, does, how does that work? Well, as you go further, the, the drop off, it is, it is kind <laughs> of an exponential function. So the further you go, the more likely people are to turn over. And we tried to really understand, you know, why is it that way? And what we found out was kind of a mix of two things. One is economics. Um, it's expensive to commute. Um, I think the numbers were um, every additional mile of commute time is about a $200 a year expense for somebody. So if you took a 30 mile commute, oh, that wow. person is looking at uh, 3000 bucks worth of annual expense just in wear and tear on their car. So if you go down to the lower end of the wage scale, that's a pretty dramatic effect. And eventually those economics will win every time. So, and, but there are some factors that would, I'd say, uh, kind of negate that, right? So pay rate, I think, of course, would be a prominent factor. You know, if you're willing to pay more to make up for that additional. Hey, if, if it costs me three grand to get to work and I'm making six figures, I probably don't care because I'll be driving in my Lexus and enjoying music with the great 18 speaker sound system and all that good stuff, right? Or I'll just let my Tesla drive. <laughs> yeah. But if you're at the other end of the spectrum, it really makes a big difference. And so we found that, that disproportionately lower wage workers were really affected by commute time. And um, it was a really, and still is a very valid strategy to target people um, by where they live and where they go to work and look at offering them a better commute. That, that is something that works well with passive job seekers. Um, we still do a lot of geofencing work for our customers um, in different markets. What's changed for us is instead of uh, engaging with the mobile app like we used to, we now just engage with text messages and, and reach out to people. And, you know, it's more of a message of, um, you, know, you know, do you like your job today? If you do, we have the same job, except the commute is five miles or the commute is two miles. Mm. Interested? Question mark. And then most people uh, will respond with a yes. 
Ah, that's a very interesting way to put it. Oh, I love that. Same job you have you to, same job you have today, except for no commute. You know, I mentioned that campaign we did for um, account auditors at the Pentagon, and the offer that we we had for them was same job you have today, except work from home. So it was cut out the entire commute. Oh, I love the messaging. You're good at that. <laughs> so, Mike, I could talk to you for four more hours, um, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure folks are like, okay. So, I want to wrap up just some key takeaways for folks to to hear. So, if there were a couple of things you wanted to leave the audience with, what would they be? Yeah, first thing, you look at, take a hard look at your recruiting process and measure how long it takes between when somebody engages with it. I don't care if that's um, you know, filling in a form on your, your career website or applying when indeed measure the time it takes from the moment they engage with you till the moment you get a human being talking to them, find out how many days that is. And if it's more than one day, you really need to look at changing your competition will change and they will be hiring all the good candidates. Um, the second thing is take a hard look at how you do feedback. Um, I think a lot of there's a lot of talk out there about employer brand, and I think the biggest damage that people do to that employer brand is not communicating with candidates. If you think about this, your cell phone breaks, and so you call the 800 number, you call Verizon, T-Mobile, or whoever your carrier is. The longer they make you wait, the worse the experience is. It is no different for somebody who's looking for a job. When you go slow, their experience is poor too. Excellent points. Well, Mike, and Mike is from work here. I'm going to put all his information in the podcast notes so you have it. It has been a pleasure talking to you today. I appreciate you taking the time because, again, I could talk about this for four more hours. But I think our listeners have definitely walked away with learning something and more than they knew kind of when we started at over a little, little over a half hour ago. But I think the extra time was worth it. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this. And, um, I've always had a lot of respect for you and, and actually integrity staff and you guys do great work. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. All right, everybody tune in. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR liftoff at integrity. We believe opportunity is everything. We take an associate first approach because when our associates succeed, our clients succeed, whatever you need, we're ready to support. We partner with clients large and small to deliver custom staffing solutions that provide the cost, service, and scalability efficiencies you need to stay competitive. Learn more at integritystaffing.com.